0: Thank you for listening to the podcasts from Life Central Church. For more information or to visit one of our locations, go to lifecentralchurch.org.uk. Guys, thank you so much for coming. So many of you, it's brilliant to see so many of you here. Thank you for those who come from Rowley. Those who come from Hagley. And those who are here from Howes Owen, Who are going to sign up tonight. For the Excel Served thing, fantastic. Great to see you. Um, I want to talk uh, to you t- tonight uh, for, for a little while about this, a well and a wall. And before I get into that, um, we, we're going to kind of go in this next uh, 40 days heading up to our 40th birthday. Birthday cake, Olga. Olga, press the button. Thank you. Fantastic. How many of you love celebrating your birthday? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, all the older ones, there was not many hands went up there. It was all the younger ones took the random. I remember, I think I've told you this before, when I was 50, a couple of years ago, three years ago now, and we had a conversation me and my wife, and she said, what are going to do for my 50th? It feels like a big, can I just say, before I get into that, we're watching Midlands today, the other day, right? because uh, we really, really are living the dream. We're watching minister. and there's a thing that comes on, and it's kind of on in the background, and it says this, there's hope for older people in terms of exercise. We thought, oh, that's quite interesting. So we listened to it, and it's walking football. And there's this big craze walking football, and I thought, oh, that's really funny, but that's great for older people. And then she said, so, if you're 50 and over, and we looked at each other, what? Older people? 50? That's not old, is it? Yeah, yeah, all right, all right. So on my my 50th, we were chatting to each other, and Alison said to me, You've got a choice big holiday, big present, or a big party. I'm like, That's a really difficult choice. So, anyway. End of a long conversation, thought, prayer, fasting, travail, all of that kind of stuff. I went for a big holiday. And so we went on a big holiday. It was fantastic. While I was on holiday, so many people in the church clubbed together and bought me a bike, which was amazing. I came back and there was a brand new bike in my office. So big, big, big holiday, big present. Then I said to Alison, maybe we'll have a little party. What about a little thing? Just just round our house, Sunday afternoon, drop in thing, invite a few people on Facebook. That'll be it. She said, all right, if it's just a few. 184 is how many people I invited, so I had all three, so I had the big party and the big present, love celebrating birthdays and you see the thing is when you celebrate a moment like that, what you do is you pause and you stay in that moment, look at what's happened to get us here and you remember stuff and you enjoy and you embrace that moment, don't you? And that's why celebrations, anniversaries, birthdays are so, so important. And in the Bible, they're a really, really big deal. In fact, in the Bible, often in the Old Testament, stones were laid, were kind of made out so that people would say, hey, let's let's just build some stones here so that in the future, other generations will come along and they'll say, what do these stones mean? And then you'll be able to tell them the story of what God did. That's why celebrations and anniversaries are really important. Because in that moment, you mark it, you pause, and you stop, and you say, hey, look at where we've come from, and look at what's happening here. And then you begin to project forward into the future. And that place, from Bi- the, Bi- the Bible says, that place becomes like a place of remembrance. Because as human beings, we often forget what we should remember, and remember what we should forget. And that's why these are so, so important. And so as we approach our 40th that we're going to celebrate on the 19th and 20th of October, we've decided that 40 days beginning this Sunday coming is a 40-day period up to that 40th celebration. And the 40 is really significant in the Bible. So much happens in 40-day periods, 40 years and 40 days and all of that. And so over this next 40 days, we want to prepare ourselves as a community to celebrate the 40th. But by the way... If you're in Rowley, then the the original church that was there, the Brickhouse Church, this year is their 60th anniversary, which is amazing. And we want to mark that as well as part of the journey that God has got us on together. So what I want to do tonight is I want to talk to you uh, out of two um, what we call prophetic words. Now, if you've never heard that before, basically they're they're messages that that we believe that God gave to us through people into the life of the church. And they become, if you like, part of the foundation of who we are as a church. So in the early 90s, there was a very strong prophetic word that that was was basically this, that, that we would be like a runway. And the word said, and I'm quoting it, that there would be a caravan of merchants laden with goods going out from a great city, this church. At the time, we were like 150, 200 people or something. Nowhere near the kind of activity that we've got now. We will send merchants out for the sake of the world. And and it said this, we must always be a church of pioneers and not settlers. But when you go 10 years or so before to right at the beginning of the church, the church began in 1979, but in the early 80s, there was another word which has become like the foundational word for us as a church. And it was simply this, that your fruit will overhang the walls. Now, I want to look at the text that that is taken out of this one. But before we do that, it's from the book of Genesis, the first book in the Old Testament, Genesis 49. And the guy called Jacob, some of you know Jacob, and Joseph was his son, the one with the amazing Technicolor dream coat. Okay, But he had all of his sons around him, and he was an old man. And he's praying over them, and he's blessing them, and he's speaking life over them. And he's speaking future and promise and blessing and inheritance all over them. And then he comes, and then he comes to Joseph who was his special son in so many ways. And many of you will know the story of Joseph, either from the Bible or from the musical, and how he had this dream and how his brothers didn't like the dream and ripped the clothes off his back and threw him in the pit and how he ended up in in, uh, Potiphar's house and served Potiphar and then was falsely accused of rape and ended up in prison for two years. And then he ended up in the the palace and eventually his brothers came back and, uh, and eventually he forgave his brothers for what they did. And it's a brilliant picture of Jesus. It's the story of Joseph. But Jacob doesn't know all that at this point. Well, he does. is kind of because he's beyond that. But he doesn't know about the picture of Jesus. doesn't know about that stuff. But he's pronouncing something over his son. And here's what it is. Here's the verse that we're going to look at. Genesis 49, 22. Joseph is a fruitful vine. So this is not just like a statement of fact. This is like a prophetic. This is what you're going to be. This is what you are. And it's what you're going to be. A fruitful vine near a spring whose branches climb over a wall. Now, let's look at it from the Amplified version. Joseph is a fruitful bough, a main branch of the vine. Because what the Amplified does is it takes the Word and it just opens it up, amplifies it. Magical that. A fruitful bough by a spring. In other words, a well, a fountain. Its branches run over the wall, influencing others. Isn't that amazing? So God said to us right at the start when we were a handful of people way before I was even born. Well, no, I wasn't born. But way before I was here, so before my time, you as a church are going to be a church that has a well and your vine, your branches are going to go over the wall and you're going to influence others. Your fruit will go beyond the walls. Isn't that exciting? And you guys are all here with us on our journey as part of the fulfillment of that. Some of you in this room were not Christians Like a few months or a few years ago, you've met Jesus as part of the ministry of this church. You're part of the fulfillment of that ongoing word. Isn't that amazing? And I want to talk into it because I think this is really important. It's kind of like um, what what Joseph is like. Joseph finds a well that he draws life from, but he's not content just to draw the water. He wants to find a wall that he can reach over for the sake of others. And that picture of having a well and finding a wall is really, really important to us as we approach our 40th. Because here's what happens, guys. Psychologists will tell you that the first 40 years of your life are all about expansion. And the second 40 or so years of your life are all about consolidation. We see that politically as well. And I want to say we need to buck that because that's not kingdom of God. We need not to, yes, we need to consolidate, but we need to always be people who, when we find a well, we're also looking for a wall that we can reach over. Because when we found some water, there's somebody over that wall that needs the water that you have found. So when your marriage has gone through a difficult time and you've experienced God helping you in your marriage, there's somebody over the wall whose marriage is on the rocks and they need what you've got. And so, this whole word is so, so important. And Joseph, he gave to his brothers who'd betrayed him. He gave to his employer who'd falsely accused him. He gave to his nation that had imprisoned him. Because he'd found a well and then he looked for a wall. And he said, There's somebody beyond the wall that I could reach out to because of the well that I found. If you found a well, throw a vine over a wall. Amen. If you found a wealth, guys, if you found anything in God, then it's not just for you, it's for somebody else. Andy, what was that that you said uh, last night that you say in the youth? You don't need to know, what is that? You don't need to know everything to share something. That's so true. It's what we teach our young people. You don't need to know everything to share something. If you found anything in Jesus, our responsibility is not to keep it to ourselves, but to share it with someone else. So, so Important, and I think what what this word says to us as a church, and it's important. And I'm going to labour it a bit, is that as we go on and as we get into the next decade and the next decade, the older you get, the more established you get, the more you want to consolidate what you've got, and you think about, and it becomes about you. And so we hear a lot in our culture right now about us and, and what's right for us and what's right for my family and, and my community and our nation rather than expanding and saying, hey, there's some walls and there's some people who need something beyond the wall. And we found a well, so let's find a wall and let's try and reach. Over it. I heard some years ago a friend, a guy that I know in another church, and, um, and he said they came to a prayer meeting like this and it went on all night long. It was like a half night of prayer. I'll we'll talk about that in a moment. And at 11 o'clock, they'd had this great prayer meeting and they'd, they'd, they'd reached heaven and, and it was spiritual and, it was, and they felt powerful. And as they walked outside, there was blood all over the bus station. Somebody had been murdered right outside the doors of their church. And he challenged him and he said, There we were having a meeting and there was a young man. And his life was taken right outside the prayer meeting. And he came from the estate over the, over the road there where nobody from the church walked in. And long story short, they as a church basically said, we've got to cross the road. The prayer meeting is important, but we can't just pray. We've got to cross the road because we can't just find a well. We've got to find a wall and then go beyond it. And so they started to go and they met the mother of the lad who had been murdered and they befriended the mother and they helped her through the funeral and they helped the family and they, they tried to bring a little bit of peace and reconciliation between some gangs on that estate. Because when you find a well, you've got to look for a wall and go beyond it. If you found something in God, if you found something of in Jesus, we've got to find a wall and then go beyond it for the sake of someone else. And what I love about the early church, and can I say that over the next six weeks, we're going to look through the book of Acts. And I want to really encourage you to read the book of Acts. And the Bible says that some of the religious leaders and authorities, they looked at these guys and said, these are unschooled ordinary men, but they've been with Jesus. They've like, they've found a well. And there's something different about the way they live their lives. Or, or you and I, what's called sociologically, enthusiastic dualists. Which I know it's a big term. Basically, I call them turnstile Christians. You know, if you've ever got a football match, okay, you, you, you can sit next to the most placid, uh, even-tempered, boring accountant. I don't mean that for those either accountants, but just like a really placid person. But when they go through the turnstiles, they turn into a different person. And they are so... And then when they go back out through the turnstiles, then that's what many of us as Christians are like. We're really passionate when we're here and we're worshipping God and we're saying, yes, Jesus. And then when we go out those doors, it's like we're a different person. But when you found a well, it will affect the way you live your life. The fact, the way you do relationships and the way that you approach that beautiful gift of sex. And it, the way that you approach things like alcohol and the way that you approach things like money and the way you approach things like gossip, it will affect that or will it not affect it? Because if it doesn't affect it, you haven't really found a well, have you? Or maybe we're just enthusiastic jewelists that in the one space we're this, but in another space we're that. But no, the early church, it's like they looked at them and said, these are ordinary people, but they've been with Jesus. And they went out and they changed the world. And you see what happens that when you when you like this and when you as a church are reaching out is that, um, is that you're always looking out for how you can bless other people. See, churches can become more ingrown than outgrown. It's a little bit like you ever had an ingrown toenail. It's horrible, isn't it? And I think churches can be like that. When we're ingrown, it's like we've got this ingrowing toenail and we can't see anybody else because this is flipping hurting us and we start moaning about stuff that isn't that important and we start getting focused on stuff that isn't that important. But when you're outgrown, you've got a well and you're looking for a wall. You're looking for how you can throw a vine over a wall to reach other people, You see, you and I are called to fruitfulness. It says this in John 15, uh, verse 4 and verse 8. So you must remain in life union with me, for I remain in life union with you. For as a branch severed from the vine will not bear fruit, so your life will be fruitless unless you live your life intimately joined to mine. When your lives bear abundant fruit, you demonstrate that you are my mature disciples who glorify my Father. So the goal for us as followers of Jesus guys and as a church is always to stay connected to the vine. We've always got to know the well. We've got to, I'm, I'm mixing my metaphors there but we've got to stay connected to Jesus, but then we've got to reach out beyond the wall. We've always got to be a church that's like that. So often I think as churches our story gets stuck. We get stuck trying to find a well, and then we get stuck when we found the well, we just want to keep the water to ourselves. I'm so glad the story of this church is not like that. And you're going to hear about that a lot over the next 40 days because some of you are newer to us as a church and, and you don't know the story. And, and Andy asked me to um, send him a copy of the history of the church for something this happened. And I, I couldn't do it because it's not written down. It's all in here. And maybe I should write it down. But in 1979, we started when Margaret Hill had a vision to pray for a church that was alive with the power of God and influence in the community here in Halzone and a small group of people gathered around her and they started as a house group. Then in 1981, we moved into the old Zion Methodist Chapel on the Stourbridge Road. And that, that group grew. And, and young people started coming. And Sunday school was started. And, and it was alive and dynamic. And then in 1984, they'd outgrown that space. So they went out on the road. And they met in the Cornbo Hall. And they met in other places. And then finally came in the old building next door, Web Ivory Factory, in 1986. And then grew and the story of our church has always been a story where we haven't just said, hey, we found a well, isn't it great? No, we found a well and we know there are people beyond the wall who need what we found. And that's been the story of our church. So over the next 40 days, guys, this is what we're going to do. And you've got it on, the, uh, on your sheep. We're going to start this teaching series, 40, life begins when, okay? And we're going to look through the book of Acts. And I'm really excited about this because I think often, you know, that phrase, you know, life begins at 40 is a relatively new phrase. Because 150 years ago, you were often dead when you were 40. And that's where that phrase comes from. It's a sense that it's shifted. But life doesn't begin at a certain age. It begins when we let God in. And when we engage with God, and that's what we want to open up in the book of Acts. There's going to be a personal daily engagement for you. Russ, who's a guy on staff now who's um, doing an amazing job. He's been with us since March. Many of you know him. He plays the bass at the back there. He's not here tonight. He's doing an amazing job that every day for those 40 days, he's going to be sending you out stuff on social media that you can engage with. Prayers and videos to watch and stuff that you can engage with um, in your daily kind of walk. And then this worship and prayer gathering, we've never done this before, but on Friday, September the 13th, was a week on Friday, we're going to have four hours of worship and prayer Now, it won't be necessarily like it is tonight. There will be a band, but it will be much more stripped back and it will be open and just come when you want to come. Come for 20 minutes, come for 30 minutes, come for an hour. Just some unstructured time where we can worship Jesus together and pray and prepare our hearts. You know, we live in such busy lives, don't we, where it's all go, go, go. This is a great opportunity. That's an opportunity to come to the well. That's what that is. To connect with that and then begin to pray and to pray for us as a church as we get to this season. And then the Excel Serve Weekend that you know all about and all of you are signing up for tonight, which is amazing. And then Vision Gatherings, October the 1st, 2nd and 3rd when we're going to talk about the future. What is life going to look like beyond 2020? What's God saying to us about the future? And then our Excel Weekend, our big celebration on the 19th and the 20th of October, which is fantastic. Here's the thing. One of the biggest challenges for a church like ours is this, complacency. If we get complacent, we are in trouble. Because as this quote says on the next thing, today's complacency becomes tomorrow's captivity. And the reality is, and and I'm involved quite a lot now nationally uh, at different uh, forums with different church leaders. And and, and so I was in in something yesterday um, for Elim uh, regionally. And and we're talking about churches around the area. And and there's some great churches that have just got complacent. And and they are a handful of people where there used to be hundreds of people making a difference. Because when we get complacent today, we will become captive tomorrow. And we must never, ever be like that. And I want to just tell you or show you a story in the Old Testament, which I love. And I'm going to share a few thoughts from it and then we're done. So here's the story in 2 Kings chapter 7. Some of you will have heard this story and some of you won't. It's quite a long story, but bear with me. Here we go. Now there were four men with leprosy sitting at the entrance of the city gates. Why should we sit here waiting to die? They asked each other. We will starve if we stay here. But with the famine in the city, we'll starve if we go back there. So we might as well go out and surrender to the Aramean army. If they let us live, so much the better. But if they kill us, we'd have died anyway. It's a good fun story, isn't it? And so we'll go on. So at twilight, they set out for the camp of the Arameans. But when they came to the edge of the camp, no one was there. For the Lord had caused the Aramean army to hear the clatter of speeding chariots and the galloping of horses and the sounds of a great army approaching. Like a miracle. The king of Israel has hired the Hittites and Egyptians to attack us. They cried to one another. So they panicked and ran into the night, abandoning their tents, horses, donkeys and everything else as they fled for their lives. When the men with leprosy arrived at the edge of the camp, they went into one tent after another, eating and drinking wine. It's like they found this well. Do you know what I mean? They found this well of stuff and they carried off silver and gold and clothing and hid it. Finally, they said to each other, this is not right. This is not right. This is a day of good news and we aren't sharing it with anyone. If we wait until morning, some calamity will certainly fall upon us. Come on, let's go back and tell the people at the palace. It's amazing. It's like these guys come to this place where where they're in a really difficult situation and where they find something amazing for them. But then, I don't know whether it was one of them or whether all of them said, this isn't right. This isn't right that we hold on to this. When there's other people beyond the wall, if you like, that need what we've found. And I want, I want to suggest to you that we have three options as a church as we approach our 40th. Okay, number one is we could, go on, go on, is we could retreat. Many churches are doing that. They're retreating. The culture is changing so fast. And the problems with are so difficult and so complex. And uh, we we were at a prayer gathering last night, praying for young people across the borough. Many of our young people were there as well. And we were praying into the violence on our streets. And we were praying into um, the pornography issue, which is is a a challenge for now, for our eight and nine-year-old children. And we were praying into stuff like that. And so many churches retreat because it's all a bit too scary. Let's just retreat and we'll have this well. Let's just retreat to what we've got and we won't worry about what's the other side of the wall. Nations do it. And so you hear the rhetoric that's around all around the world. Let's go back to when we were great, whatever that means. Churches do it. The good old days. Oh, do you know It was great. And listen, we'll tell stories about the early days of our church. But let's not get caught up in the good old days. Shall we? Because we give God thanks for the past. But we honour the past, not by trying to live back in it, but by remembering it, being grateful for it, and then living now and in the future. So we don't want to retreat. The second thing that they could have done was they could have just remained. But if they remained where they were, now this remain thing, this is not a Brexit statement, all right? So please, I, I, when I saw it today, I thought, oh my goodness, someone's going to say, our options are remain. Or, no, I'm not talking about that, okay, please. I'm not saying that. If they remain where they were, they're going to die for sure. So as a church, we could retreat and just kind of go back. Do like the King Canute, if you know that old story, you know, about trying to hold the waves back. Or we could just remain, because this is great. This is great what we've got now. We could do that. Like, do we stick or twist? Do you know what I mean? Do, do we just stick? Do we keep what we've got? But here's the thing. If you try to keep what you've got, you're going to lose it anyway. The only option is the option they took, which is to risk. So we're not going to retreat as a church when we get 40, are we? And we're not going to remain as we are when we get to be 40, are we? We're going to risk. Amen? Woo! We're going to risk. And that means doing things that are risky. Because that's what risk means. It means doing something and you don't know what's going to happen. And we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know, but we're going to risk in God because that's what we want to do. We want to do something different. And here's the challenge for the church in the UK and for us. (laughs) <laughs> retreat, remain, or risk. It does sound like a, you know, let's put it to the people for a vote. Um, our, our, our goal, is our vision, mission statement is we want to help people find and follow Jesus, okay? The church in this country has spent a lot of time recycling Christians around churches. That is never going to affect the spiritual climate of this nation. The only way we're going to affect the spiritual climate of this nation is to reach people who aren't yet following Jesus, So that's what we're about as a church. There are other churches around who are cooler than us, who have better gear than us, who do more fancy stuff than us. But if they want to do that and attract loads of other Christians, that's fine, knock yourself out. What we're gonna do, guys, as we go into our next decade, is we wanna change the spiritual climate of our nation. And that's when we reach people one person at a time. And that's the risk. And that's the risk. And that's why we do what we do. And that's why we, we're experimenting and that's why we try new things and that's why we, why we do look at stuff a little bit differently. And that's why there's certain things that we don't do and there's certain things that we do do because we're trying to risk, because we're trying to reach people who don't yet know Jesus. You see, I, I love this quote that I found recently. Faithfulness is not holding the fort, it's taking back enemy territory. That's faithfulness. Not just holding the fort. Let's be faithful and hold the fort until Jesus comes back. That's not faithfulness. Faithfulness is taking back enemy territory. God wants you, me, and us to be a people who find a well and reach beyond the wall. What does that mean? Let me give you four implications for this. And we'll put the next one up. Olga, come on. Let's go. The young, the new, the lost, and the others. So the young. So we've got to reach young people. Not that old people aren't important, they absolutely are. But we are losing young people in this church, in the church in the UK, at a rapid rate of knots. We're losing millennials as a church at a rapid rate of knots. We've got to intentionally focus on the young if we want to really see God do something. And if we want to see a future for the church in this nation. Now, I, I, I want to say something, okay? And this is a friend of mine that said this, okay? I don't know whether I'd be as bold as this, but he, he, he's building a church like we're trying to build, okay? And, and he said this to me. We were chatting recently, and he said, yeah, to be, we had these older, older people in the church that were really having a go at him because the music was loud and the lights and the smoke. And he said this to one of these people. He said, listen, I can build a church you love or I can build a church your grandkids love, but I can't do both. So what do you want me to do? Now, we want to try and build a church that everybody loves. But I'm not sure we can do that all of the time. But listen, if you're in the older generation, and I'm in that generation now, what do you want to do? Do you want to build a church you love? Or do you want to be a part of a church that your kids or your grandkids love? What is the faith of the next generation worth to you? What is the faith of the next generation worth to me? Is it worth us saying, do you know what? We can change some stuff, and we may not like it, But it ain't all about us. We've got our well. We want to reach beyond the wall. And there's a whole load of young people who are desperate for community and meaning and the supernatural power of Jesus to set them free from addictions and from hopelessness and from low self-esteem. But if we just continue to build a church that we love, what are we saying to them? I can build a church you love, or I can build a church your grandkids or your kids love, but I don't think I can build both. What is the faith of the genera- next generation worth to you? And then what about the new? The new people. There's some new people here tonight. You just become a Christian in the last few weeks and months. That's amazing. Listen, if you've been a Christian for longer than that, look around because you're here to welcome those guys and girls and to pour your life into them because you've got a well, haven't you? You've found a well. You've found something in God. These new guys and girls, they're just discovering that they need what you've got. And so we need to be people who pour them, ourselves out for the sake of others. And then there's the lost, lost people. And um, just a few weeks ago, me and a friend, Duncan, we, we went up to UCB for three days and we filmed six uh, shows, uh, which will be uh, broadcast on UCB and Sunday evenings in November through to December. I'll tell you when they are, when they come on. And there's six shows all about building a church that unchurched people want to come to. And so we've explored in those kind of things all kinds of different challenges for the church in in this country. But I tell you what, what's really exciting to me is when you're trying to do what we're trying to do, it's a little bit like this. It's a little bit, I read this years ago. The man dancing to the sound of music seems crazy to the deaf man. And it's just like what we're trying to do seems crazy to the person that can't hear the music. But when you hear the music, I'll say, could we be people that... That build a church that people who don't know Jesus, who haven't got a relationship with him, where they could find him and follow him. That's crazy if you don't hear that music. But we do hear that music, don't we? So we're going to stay being crazy in this next decade. And then there's the others. As a church, I think God is positioning us right now to help other churches Um, Andy, myself, Laura and some others we're starting a learning community this Friday night and Saturday with six other churches in our locality to help them and to help us to reach young people more effectively we're getting involved in lots of different opportunities where where, where basically where where it seems like God is using us to to, to invest in others and, and I wonder whether our fruit won't just overhang the walls maybe our fruit will grow on other people's trees so maybe we'll invest in some other people and maybe we'll never see it back here, but the kingdom will see it. And so I'm gonna finish by showing you a couple of photographs from Albania. So this is, so I took the leadership team, there were 13 of us uh, last weekend and we went away to a retreat uh, in a beautiful lake on the border of Macedonia. Someone's gotta do it. And, um, and we're just praying for one another and just pouring stuff into each other. And then the next one, uh, and this is on the Sunday, and this is Yeton, who's the young guy, who's the pastor, who's 25, and we please pray. The guys are filling in visa forms as we speak, as we speak. There are four of them, Yeton, and three of the other guys that are hopefully going to come to us if they can get a visa. It is the week before Brexit, so no pressure there. Um, so that would be great. But the, these two girls here, Ilona and her sister, Morella. Elona has been a missionary in a country that I can't tell you where it is. But basically... She's there serving Jesus at the risk of her life, okay? She's 42, she's single, she's an incredible woman. And she's been sent from that church and that church is now our church. So basically she's our missionary in a country that I can't tell you about. And then her sister, who's 14, is also single. We were praying for her because she's also about to join her in that country that I can't tell you about. And that's amazing, isn't it? Maybe your fruit will grow on other people's trees. And let me show you one more and then we're going to wind up. This blew my mind last Sunday. This is Yeton who's 25. That's his nephew, his drug addict cousin, his alcoholic father. The Sunday before, they all got baptised. They all got baptised. Yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. And these guys are from a, a Muslim family and literally it's the ghetto. Ghetto territory. Nearly all of his extended family, you know, are are involved in all kinds of stuff. But in the last 12 months, he's seen his mom, his sister, his brother, his nephew, his cousin and his father come to Jesus. Isn't that amazing? And and we get the chance. And, And when you give financially and when you pray, you are part of the fruit growing on someone else's tree. You're part of us who's found a well trying to find a wall and reach a vine over it for the sake of others. Isn't that amazing? Absolutely amazing. And at the 40th, on that Sunday, we're going to give you guys an opportunity to financially invest into the world. And we're going to set up something that we're calling Life Central Global. And basically that's kind of an entity um, where where we say, hey, we want to raise vast amounts of money. Fast amounts of money that we can invest into the kingdom of God. Wherever God leads us, places like Albania, India, other places where we can invest, where we can reach out beyond our walls. And so we want to give you that opportunity on our 40th, not to, con- not to constrict or to consolidate or to retreat, but to risk and to expand and to step out. And I'm really, really excited about that. And we want to give you that opportunity. Let me just say one final thing. In fact, invite the band to come back up. Five generations later, after Joseph, okay, there's a guy called Naboth. And you may have heard the story of Naboth if you, if you know your Old Testament a little bit. And Naboth had a vineyard and he was exceedingly blessed. <laughs> Sounds like Mr. Kipling, if you know what I mean. There. <laughs> and he's right beside Ahab, who was the king's summer palace. And Ahab looked out over his neighbor and he thought, that guy's place is blessed. He was a descendant of Joseph. You see, when God speaks to us, And gives us a promise. If we're faithful to it, it goes on down the generation tree. And it's like five generations later, there's this guy with this blessed thing. Because actually he's connected to the word that was spoken over him. Or over his his ancestor called Joseph. When my time's done, like not tonight, but like forever. okay. My hope and prayer is that this church is still connected to a well. And reaching over a wall that's largely down to how we all respond in this kind of season let's stand let's stand Jesus I want to ask you guys tonight I want to ask you buy into this season with us okay buy into this season This next 40 days what could God do in 40 days if every day we engage with Jesus just a little bit more Maybe every week, maybe you said, hey, every week, I I, want to be there. I want to journey through this to prepare ourselves. And yes, if you're not here, you can get the podcast. I get that. But you cannot podcast an experience. And there's something powerful when we connect together. So I want to ask you and invite you to buy into this season with us. Buy into the prayer night. Buy into the serve opportunity, buy in financially when we come to give. You've done that many times, given for buildings. We're not asking to give for buildings now, we're asking to give for the world, give for the sake of others. Fruit on other people's trees, fruit overhanging the walls. But I want to invite you to buy in. Because I think when we individually step into what God has for us, when we individually say, I want to be connected to a well, I want to remain in the vine, and then we look for a wall and we throw a vine over a wall, God will do amazing stuff. So I want to invite you this evening, just maybe put your hands out. Just at the start of this 40 days, and I can't, I can't do this for you. You can only do it for me. Just say to Jesus, Jesus, I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. And maybe some of you tonight, you, you say, that sounds great, Leon, but I don't even know where the well is. I feel so dry. Well, That's important. It's important. You know, get some help. Get some prayer. Dig in. Find that well. You need to find that well. But then when you do, look for the wall. Look for the wall. Maybe it's your next door neighbour. Maybe it's the person across the street. Maybe it's the community that that Jesus has placed you in right now. But there's a wall there. Maybe it's a, a different people group. And you walk past them because you don't know how to engage with them. Maybe it's someone in the in the town. I don't know who it is. Maybe you know that there's someone going through what you've been through. Well, maybe that's the person you need to throw a vine over the wall for. But let's just open our hands and say, Jesus, we're in. We're in. We don't want to be the people that retreat. We don't want to be the people that remain, that stick or twist. Lord we want to be the people that risk and so Lord we say God would you breathe your life into us again tonight and Lord at the start of this season for us as a church God we we want to speak over Rowley Lord Jesus we thank you God for all that you're doing in Rowley but God we long for more we want to speak over Hagley Lord Jesus we thank you for all that you've done in the last two and a half years but God we long for more and Lord we speak over Hal And Lord, we thank you for all you've done in the last 40 years, but we long for more. We know you do as well. So Lord, help us not to be settlers, but to be pioneers. Help us to have that pioneer spirit that the people that started this church had. God, may we have that same kind of pioneer spirit as well. And so Lord, we ask you, God, if we are weary and dry tonight, we ask you to breathe your life into these dry bones. And God, as we worship you, lord may may that well may the water that well just re-energize us i pray and god may we be those people that move beyond the wall beyond the wall in jesus name we pray